reading Star Wars books is often entertaining. Certainly beats being chopped in half by a lightsaber, or being shot by a stormtrooper. Sometimes, though, when reading all the books in canon, you end up reading a board book for kids that has sound effects. That can make you a bit grumpy. But usually, you can zip through it pretty quickly. Welcome to episode 6 of Light in the Dark, an unofficial Star Wars podcast about one man's hyperspace journey through the entirety of Star Wars canon, hopefully within the span of about one year. I'm your host and the nerf herder of this crazy journey, Dan McGillan. First, I'd like to start with the quote of the week from last week. That was, I have a really good feeling about this, from Solo, a Star Wars story. And for the first time, someone has actually submitted an answer to who they think said it. And it was actually Matt who I interviewed last week. He was correct to guess that it was Han Solo. So this week for the quote of the week, I thought I'd do something a little bit different. This is from Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. The quote is, Oh, I have a bad feeling about this. Do you know who said it? Drop me an email at dan at lightinthedark.com or leave a comment on the project spreadsheet. If you're right, I'll tell everyone that you were the first one to get it, and your name, on the next episode. It's not much of a prize, but it's a little one. So this week's episode is actually packed full of stuff to the brim, uh, almost to the point where it nearly needs to be split into two. Uh, Topics this week. First up, we have an interview with my kids, Jasper and Violet, twins, aged six six years old. They begged to be on the podcast, and I rightly pointed out that it's a Star Wars podcast, so we kind of needed to be able to talk about Star Wars. So they agreed to finally sit down and watch Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, with me. We'll hear their thoughts. Next, we'll go to part two of my interview with my friend Matthew Burns. Last week, we talked about Matt's history with and the significance of Star Wars within his life. This week, the second half of our conversation, continuing our discussion of Clone Wars, Star Wars TV in general, and Star Wars Rebels, which we're both watching. But first, let's do the project update. So I completed 21 items this week, almost the number needed to stay on target. That puts current progress at 456 items out of 614 items I'm supposed to have consumed by this point. We're at about four days until the halfway point of the project, in terms of the number of days. And you might ask, well, why isn't the last day of June the halfway of the pro- point of the project since you started in January? And the answer is because February has fewer days than the other months. So as a result, the actual halfway point of the year is a few days into July. In any case, I'm clearly not going to manage to catch up the more than 150 items in the next few days. I'm managing to stay more or less at the correct amount behind. I'm not really losing much progress as, or much, uh, not falling farther behind. I'm not catching up either though. Having said that, uh, I did notice looking through the spreadsheet the other day after rebels, there's a very long section of the timeline that's got literally dozens and dozens and dozens of comics, uh, over 150 before I stopped counting. Those obviously read very quickly. So once I reach that part of the timeline, I expect to catch up to current, or at least get pretty close to it. Uh, 
Uh, in any case, I'm not going to let this goal get to me. Yes, I am trying to finish everything within the span of one year, but if I don't manage to do it, it's not the end of the world. Hopefully I do, but we'll see. So this week, what did I accomplish? Well, quite a few things. Uh, first off was the novel Queen's Peril, which was released earlier this month. Uh, it is a story following Padme, as she had uh, just been elected to the Queen of Naboo, and talks about her experiences from the time she's elected up until the blockade of the Trade Federation that they talk about in Star Wars Episode One. Uh, so with a, a good chunk of the novel taking place concurrently to Episode One. But uh, this this book tells the story from a different perspective, strictly from the perspective of Padme and her handmaidens. A uh, lot of descriptions of hair pieces and costumery, uh, the th- the the clothes that she wears as the head of state, and and how they've turned those into practical things. Um, a lot of discussion about the handmaidens trying to disguise their appearance and the sound of their voice to be able to take her place as needed. Uh, all in all, I found it a great book. Really enjoyed it quite a bit. It was a shorter novel at only about 200 pages, uh, so I, I breezed through it pretty quickly. The second uh, novel that I finished this week was the novel Battlefront Twilight Company, and that one probably took me about a week and a half to two weeks to finish, um, primarily because it's from a genre of novel that I'm not particularly into. So the novel takes place in, inside the Rebellion from the perspective of a frontline trooper, who is attempting to fight the Empire uh, as part of a company called Twilight Company. And it's a decently well-written book, and it definitely does describe the situation for the Rebels from a perspective that you don't often get. It even includes, actually, the uh, the Battle of Hoth, uh, you know, which, if you've played any Star Wars video game basically ever released, the Battle of Hoth is always, you know, an early level in it. Uh, so having, you know, seen it in the movie and then played it in a million video games, it's kind of one of those things that, uh, comes back around over and over again. But in any case, uh, got a different perspective on Hoth, how it was for the, for the people that weren't Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia. Uh, having said that though, it's still a military novel and it's a genre of novel that I'm not super, uh, super excited about generally. And, and in this case, it took, took a long time to read largely because of that. It just didn't draw me in in quite the way that some of the other novels did. Also, it, it was a longer novel, clocking it around 400 pages. So in addition to that, uh, this week I knocked out some comics. Uh, the Star Wars Adventures Clone Wars Battle Tales, issues 1 and 2. Uh, both of those have come out. Uh, epi- episodes, no. Comics 3, 4, and 5 of that series will be coming out later this year. They're not available yet, so obviously they're on the list, but they have not been marked off as done. Uh, additionally, the Jedi Fallen Order Dark Temple number four and number five comics. Uh, that's a series that uh, I have been working on, but those uh, because of the six-month delay on Marvel Unlimited, uh, had to wait for those to actually show up at Marvel Unlimited to be able to watch them, or read them, rather. So I'd done the first three and finally got four and five this week. Uh, and everything else relates pretty closely. Oh, actually, one more thing that doesn't relate to Rebels uh, would be the short story In Brief, which was included in the uh, novel Battlefront Twilight Company as as an additional uh, thing at the back of it, which features characters from, from that novel as well. Uh, everything else, though, is Rebels-related. So... First of all, uh, episodes 5 through 10 of Star Wars Rebels Season 1. Those were really good and enjoyable. Um, 
and uh, a comment Matt makes in the interview coming up here that you'll hear is that uh, the quality of Rebels seems to be pretty high throughout. There's not a lot of throwaway episodes, and that definitely has seemed to be the case so far. I mean, we're 10 episodes in, and there isn't any of them that I would really say, oh, this could really just be cut out. I, I think they're they're all really great stories. They're all really well told. There aren't really filler episodes so far, so that's that's wonderful to see, and I'm, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, in addition to those episodes, though, uh, filling in stories around the edges of that, so we've got uh, one of the strangest things, <laughs> one of the, by far the strangest thing, in fact, that I've had to do as part of this project. Uh, so there is a very young readers board book that has sound effects called Rebels to the Rescue. And according to Wikipedia, that book is technically Star Wars canon. Now, naturally, because it's a board book with sound effects, I can't get it for the Kindle. So I ordered the actual honest-to-goodness board book. Uh, you may have heard my own version of a story using the sound effects at the uh, cold open to the episode today. In any case, uh, it's a very vague story. It is. It follows the the. I'd say it follows the structure of a typical episode of Star Wars Rebels. But they've sanded off all the sharp edges and all the details to the point where it doesn't really talk about the plot of whatever story is trying to sell. It just talks about these are the things that they do in a particular caper. Uh, and the, the distinction there is instead of saying, you know, they're going after, let's say, the Empire's brand new weapon that when you fire it, it turns things into chickens. I'm just making that up, but you know, whatever, whatever the weapon is that they're going after. Instead, it just says, oh, they're going after a weapon. Doesn't say anything about the weapon. We're going to go, we're going to go stop the Empire's new weapon and doesn't get into the details of what the weapon is or any of that, where the show would do that, obviously. This is just like, oh, there's a weapon. And so they go do this. And then it's more about talking about, uh, Hey, we're you know now we're riding on a on an AT walker, and now we're on a speeder bike, and now we're flying away in the ghost. So, anyway, it, it's cute. Uh, certainly not necessary for anybody, but I I am glad I did it just because it was just so so <laughs> honestly a, a little bit of levity um, and and weirdness. Um, the kids enjoyed it. Not not even though it, you know honestly they're six year olds. Uh, the story is even a little bit young for them. But there we are. So that was Rebels to the Rescue. Uh, very strange. Very strange. Uh, the next thing was a junior novel called Servants of the Empire, Rebel in the Ranks. And now I previously read the first uh, novel in that series uh, and did not know what was going to happen with the later ones. I'm currently working on the third one in the series, uh, but not done with it yet. In any case, uh, they're interweaving the story of a second group, or a second, uh, I guess I'd say a second individual on Lothal, who's fighting against the Empire in his own way. And what's really cool is that that story of his dovetails with the story of the crew of the Ghost. So you have a novel that's following one storyline and fills in a lot of details before and around uh, whatever is happening with the Ghost. And then you have a portion of the book that takes place in the space of an actual Star Wars Rebels episode. So seeing uh, kind of how those are interleaved together and tell uh, parallel stories that take place on the same planet and with some of the same characters and portions of them together, but quite a bit not. Uh, it's 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 actually a really great storytelling method. I'm really I'm really thrilled with how they did it. 
this week I finished the Young Readers books Hera's Phantom Flight and Kanan's Jedi Training, which are Young Readers adaptions of some of the early episodes. Also finished the junior novels Droids in Distress and Ezra's Duel with Danger, which is also retelling some of the stories from the episodes in the form of a, a junior novel. And also the comics Canon number six and Canon number twelve, which take place one after the other. Now you might ask yourself what happens to Canon seven through eleven, and the answer to that actually is that in the beginning of Canon seven, we go into a flashback that takes place uh, earlier in the storyline before Canon sets up with the Ghost crew. Uh, and episodes 7 through 11 take place with the framing story of Kanan recovering in a back-to-tank while he's remembering things that happened to him earlier in his life. So so Kanan number 6 happens at its particular point in the timeline, and then Kanan number 12 happens immediately after it. So that's what I finished this week. This week I have something a little bit different. Um... My kids have been asking a little bit more about the podcast and what I'm doing, and I've started actually playing some of the older episodes for them, uh, and they asked if they could be on the podcast. And I said, well, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with them being on the podcast, uh, but they really need to know Star Wars and be able to talk about it in some fashion for that to actually work. So uh, what we ended up doing is sitting down, and although they've seen a little bit of Clone Wars and they've seen a little bit here and there of things, and of course, you know, pop culture is full of references, and Jasper wears Star Wars t-shirts all the time, uh, Jasper and Violet have never actually, like, watched a whole Star Wars movie before. Um, we had tried Episode Four about a year ago, but hadn't actually watched a whole Star Wars movie until very recently. So finally we sat down and actually watched Episode Four from start to finish in one sitting, and uh, basically, I'm going to ask them some questions about what they think about it. So without further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce Jasper and Violet, my kids, both six years old. Welcome to the show. Um, okay. Hi. So obviously, the two of you have both both uh, watched episode four of Star Wars, the yeah. original Star Wars movie yeah. that was released. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you both uh, the same question, but I'm going to start with Violet on this one. So Violet, what do okay. you, what are your thoughts about uh, a Star Wars episode four? I mean, I like it and I like it enough to have the t- a t-shirt about it. Jasper likes it a lot. He has a Lego t-shirts of it. And lots of things. We love it, and I really like it. Okay. Was there was there anything about the story specifically that stood out to you or that you especially enjoyed or any characters or moments from the film that you enjoyed the I most? I really liked that Princess Leia it was saved by Luke and Han Solo. But I don't really like Han Solo because he's really mean. But in the ending, he turns out really good because he comes back and helps them. Mm. After he said he was leaving, he yeah. comes back. Yeah. And you thought that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? what about you, Jasper? I'll ask I you next. I kind of think my my best moment of the uh, Star Wars thing was when um, Luke and Han Solo dressed themselves up as stormtroopers. It was just hilarious. Ah. Uh. You liked that they used a disguise to sneak around the Death Star. Yeah, and remember, and I liked when when they when when Luke got to uh, make the Death Star explode. Mm, when he shot the the two missiles at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
So who who do you think, Jasper? Who do you think your favorite character in that movie is? It may just be yeah. I like a lot of the uh, the aliens. A lot of the aliens. Is there a specific one that you especially like more Wook- than the others? Wookie's so cute. Oh, you like Chewbacca? He's just like uh, he's like a little snuggly bear. And do you like the uh, the warriors, the warrior bears that look like teddy bears? Oh, were they in this movie though? No. No. But no. I do like them in the other movies because they're cute. We've never mm. even watched the other movies. No, but you've seen them in some of the books that we've read, haven't but we, you? We have watched Clone Wars a little. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about? Let's get Violet back over here. Violet, uh, what what was your favorite character from the movie? I think you mentioned uh, Princess Leia specifically being rescued as your favorite moment. But yes. who's your favorite character though? I like. I really like the, those little teddy bear like the warriors and. But they're Princess they're not Leia. in this movie. Yeah. So from this movie, what what is your Princess Leia? You think Princess Leia and Luke. What do you What do you like about them? Luke is very confident of himself, nor not lots of times, but a little times. Hmm. So you mean like earlier in the movie, he's not as confident, and as time yeah, passes, he's confident. He becomes more confident. Okay. Okay. And I really like that Princess Leia is a princess, and she really stands up for herself. She does, doesn't she? Yeah. Because of like. Yeah, I'm not following you. Following the ship. Oh, you mean when um when she pushes them down the trash chute, she le- makes them. She's like, "Come on, let's go." Uh, yeah, yeah. She's really kind of competitive. I really. She like takes that. charge. I yeah, like she that moment charge. because she because they went down the trash can. It was just hilarious. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like throwing but someone in the trash can. I was a can. little scared of that alien that came from the disgusting water and the garbage. Oh, it was yeah. creepy. Uh, it's supposed to make you feel creepy, isn't it? Don't it you think? It was going, oh, help me! <laughs> and I loved it that uh, that his, uh, Luke's hair looked looked so funny after he'd been under when it when it was wet from all the trash like, water. Yeah. So what about the droids, C three PO and R two D two? What do you think about them? I think they uh, argue a lot. I think they argue a lot too, but they're best friends. Okay. I think droid mine. I think we should have just. Someone should have just rescued them when the uh, Jabba's came to sell them. But then the whole story would be different because without the droids. That's true. There's a couple of places, actually, where that story could have gone very differently. Do you remember that, that uh, originally it wasn't R2-D2 that was picked? It was a different droid, right? Yeah. Remember the red droid that was picked instead? Mm-hmm. And the red droid ends up like something blows up on its head or something and it makes some smoke and they're like hey this droid's broken it's got a bad motivator and if it had been that droid that had gone with c-3po it's hard to say what exactly would have happened except that we know later that the jawas get get uh defeated by the empire don't they yeah many jawas get killed so if that happened and c-3po was with them do you think they would have gotten c-3po back yeah and got the plans from him and 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 ruined everything no you don't think so? What do you think would have happened, Jasper? 
think that I think RTD2 would need just a little slot for the disc. For the Death Star plans, I mean. Mm-hmm. In like the slot that that Princess Leia's message came. Okay. What I think you you may be talking about right now is in the uh, Star Wars video game, the Lego video game, where that she throws a disc inside of, like, opens his lid and throws a disc inside of him and closes the lid again. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, we've we've played a Lego game of Star Wars, but the thing we played it on crashed. Yes, that's true. The uh, the 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 uh, the we, we did stop working. Yeah, yes. We. Yep. But it, it, but at least we still have the game. We do. We and do. Jasper was wearing a Star Wars shirt. That is true. Jasper right now is wearing a Star Wars Lego T-shirt mm-hmm. with all the characters. So we've watched we've watched Episode Four, A New Hope. Yeah. Um. Do you want to watch the next movie? Do you think we should do that sometime soon? Yeah. Like not tomorrow, but someday. Sometime soon. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Maybe next week. Hmm, next maybe week. next week. Maybe some other day. We because fit. we're going to the dentist next week, too. That's true. Well, we can find a time to watch it, and we can watch it. What about if, on Monday? I don't know. We'll see. And then if you want to share your, your thoughts on it as well with the audience of the podcast, you can do that if you'd like to. <sighs> Alrighty. Anything else about Star Wars that either of you would like to share, Violet? I know this is great, but I do not really like the aliens. They are creepy. You don't like the cool, sweet little Chewbacca? I like the Chewbacca, but I don't like the other aliens. Oh, some of the aliens look kind of scary? Not like in the cantina the, scene? Not yeah. even the Wookiee or Jabba the Hutt. Okay, well, so that was what two six-year-olds who had never seen uh, the original Star Wars Episode Four thought about it, uh, for better or for worse. Next up is the second half of my interview with Matthew Burns, my good friend. In the last episode, uh, of course, I had the first half of this interview. I actually ended up splitting it right in the middle of one of Matt's thoughts because the first half of his thought was about one topic and the second half of his thought was about the other topic and it was a good spot to cut it. So we're going to join this in the middle of the conversation uh, with Matt's thoughts. Um, One of the interesting things I saw watching some of the YouTube commentary about um, these last few episodes was the Admiral. I don't actually know his name. Um, but the admiral that's always flying around with Anakin in the five hundred first, the um, same same person who does the voice for the intros for each episode, also in the series where he does the recap. Yeah, right. But I think if I saw this right, he was actually at the table on the Death Star when Vader was expressing his displeasure in someone's lack of faith. Um, so I found that interesting that you know. The you know professional soldier for the Republic continued to serve the Empire after everything that went wrong. Well, and if if you drink the Kool Aid, I think I think that's believable. Um, again, and the way Palpatine's uh, power creeps through this course of the, the movies and the series. Oh yeah, 
I mean, it goes from being, hey, I grudgingly accept this role to be the, you know, the Supreme Chancellor to, you know, I grudgingly am <laughs> taking on this additional power at one point, you know, in one of the threads in um, actually that that happens in this season six uh, section where we're dealing with the whole Clovis arc. He actually takes over the banking clan and control of that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, he's gradually gathering and consolidating power. So when, when, you know, he flips the switch and, and okay, now we're the empire, the whole thing is, is PR'd to be uh, of a good thing oh, yeah. for the galaxy. And the only, obviously uh, that only is true for Coruscant for the, <laughs> for the most part, uh, at least the other perspectives that I've seen from elsewhere in the galaxy through all the different things I've been reading and watching and whatever, uh, continually it reinforces the idea that the empire is just messing things up everywhere for everyone. And a lot of that is due to their, their big uh, public works project, you know, the death star, uh, <laughs> needing all those resources and people and everything necessary to make something that large come, come to fruition and be staffed and run. Um, there was um, there was a series inside of the uh, old expanded universe where they went into um, basically the place where the Death Star was born, and so what Tarkin did was he captured, kidnapped, whatever word you want to call it, um, gifted students, gifted children. And he brought them to this installation and gave them, you know, the tools they needed and, you know, um, the time and the task to design the super laser and the Death Star and some of the other things that was required for, you know, um, to build this thing. And you kind of got a hint of the brainwashing that they were given to these kids where, you know, they're building this giant moon-sized space station with this giant laser that can crack a planet in half. And like, oh, well, that's for mining. So you take a, you know, uninhabited planet and you blow it to rubble and then you come in and you, you know, collect all the, you know, ore and everything and go process it. And it didn't, like, occur to them that this could be used for horrific evil. Um, because, you know, they didn't need to know that and knowing that probably would have prevented them from doing their job. Um, uh, but you know, it's kind of a snapshot of the whole galaxy because again, you know, Palpatine, Palpatine, whatever, um, is the legitimate head of government. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are very in favor of what he's doing, you know? slavery it's a bad thing he's going to get rid of it and you know order and the council you know couldn't get anything done but he's going to get stuff done um you know it's a kind of an interesting thought experiment when you think about it and how many people just would have just kept going on their day-to-day lives as if nothing ever changed because their life is still good and part of it, I think, is from a lack of knowledge of what happened. Um, yeah. And the, the, the version of the, that story that happens in uh, the current canon 
uh, with Galen Erso and all of that, um, particularly in uh, the novelization. Uh, it's actually a novel before uh, the novelization of, uh, Rogue, uh, One. of Rogue One. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I started uh, reading that. I don't think I finished it. And, and that's actually one I, I got and started reading uh, before this actual attempt uh, and dropped it. And then I picked it back up and, re- and re- reread it from the beginning uh, as part of this. Um, it just hasn't been covered yet on, on the podcast here. But uh, that one is really interesting because you get to know Galen Erso and his network of people that he knows and deals with. Uh, they introduce a lot of characters. And then you realize those characters have actually been spread across a number of different worlds and places, and they're all working on the Death Star project, and none of them know that that's what they're doing because they've been given such a small, specialized subsystem or a slice of what's going on. Even Galen Erso, for a very long time, doesn't realize that's what he's doing. And when he does, he defects. Yeah. So, um, very Oppenheimerish. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's interesting to me because that is kind of a lot of what happens is that the people who do figure out what's going on, because the project is being done in secret, obviously the empire is not like, Hey, we're building a death star. No, they're, they're actually trying to hide it very well. Um, in fact that the, uh, I don't know from the EU stuff, uh, what was the death star built near Geonosis or no? Uh, the prototype was built in what's called the mall, uh, which is right outside of Kessel. It's, a uh cluster of black holes that's very difficult to navigate uh i think it's part of the kessel run actually because you go around the maw to get to wherever the other end of the kessel run is and the trick was that han solo found a way to get closer to the black holes thus making the kessel run at a shorter distance right and that's actually covered in solo um also so, so the prototype for the Death Star was built in the Maw. Then, okay, interesting. Uh, I don't know if I know where the actual Death Star was built. I don't think it was constructed in the Maw because it was obviously made with you know lots of slave labor and things like that. But I don't remember if I knew where they made it or not. Mm. Um, but it does explain a little bit why it took you know twenty years for them to finish it yeah and that actually and that does get discussed a little bit in in the book you're working on too because it, because it is being built in orbit of geonosis and the genosians are actually the ones doing most of the work and they're very uh factionized and fight a lot and kill each other a lot but they're also very expendable because they function as a hive and, and there's a whole thing around that that like, gets talked about in some length did they so, keep the part where the wikis were you know building lots of it as slave labor or did that get I, retconned out? I think that's been retconned out. Um, okay. the, the Wookiees being slaves in other parts of the galaxy has come up a number of, of times in places. Um, but, but not there. Obviously, obviously in, uh, solo it, it gets mentioned of course. And then again, in and actually the beginning of rebels that yes. you and I have just both watched, um, it gets mentioned again. So, um, so, so we were talking about the the different arcs in season seven, and of course, so we so we had the the Ahsoka arc, and then we had the uh, the Bad Batch arc, and then then comes the last arc of this uh, of this series, um, where everything just comes crashing together like in just crazy fashion. 
So and what's what's interesting to me about this especially is the fact that, you know, Ahsoka and uh Maul I mean are not characters that I considered a big part of Star Wars Maul especially. I mean cuz Maul prior to this to this additional content, he's in one movie and he dies as far as we know. Yes. So the fact that he now has a thread that that weaves through you know, Clone Wars in a major way. It ha- he has a substantial role in Solo. Um, I have heard he has roles in other things, but haven't gotten there yet in the story. So I don't know much about what happens other than in a very vague sense. But just like he suddenly is a huge deal. And then Ahsoka the same way. Um, she she literally didn't exist in, in canon prior to the Clone Wars. And then suddenly her story is now weaving throughout everything as well. Um, it's really, really kind of crazy. Um, the other thing that kind of struck me is just, just over the top, just so much going on is, is you've built up to this point with the idea that, you know, uh, having connections to people and on a personal level is a bad thing. So, you know, Anakin is married, but secretly, and that's a whole issue. But then, but then you, you look at the other things that are, that are talked about. I mean, Obi-Wan has his relationship with the, uh, the leader of the Mandalore people. Um, they literally in one of the novels send, um, one of the Jedi to go join with, um, um, Dooku's former apprentice, and they have a romantic relationship like the this there's this whole we don't have personal connections and whatever and then Anakin who is like the king of personal connections like he's got you know he's he's attached to he's attached to Obi-Wan he's attached to Padme he's attached to Ahsoka like this is all happening but you also are seeing around the edges of all of this all these other Jedi are also out having all these personal attachments to people which is totally not allowed by the Jedi code and and it's clear, I think, partly because of the war, but possibly other reasons as well, that the Jedi just are choosing to look the other way because they need every soldier they can get. But uh, just all this comes to a head and all these stories and uh, threads of, of that have been going on for several seasons collapse together into one moment and everything just goes to hell very quickly. Yeah. And just, wow. <laughs> yeah. As utter, utterly shocked, um, and never mind. I mean, Darth Maul literally, if if Ahsoka had listened to him, might have actually been able to stop things from happening. <laughs> I don't think they had enough time. Mm. I don't think that if she just said, you know, great, let's go, and they hopped on a spaceship and jetted back to Coruscant, that they would have got there in time to stop anything. So she may have, you know, dropped a dime on Anakin, and that may have changed something, but I doubt it. Mm. Uh, especially if she said, "Oh, by the way, I'm working with Darth Maul now." Uh, <laughs> You're wait, what? What are you doing? Oh, <laughs> uh, <sighs> but no, um, yeah, the last two episodes, the last two episodes, especially um, the third one, was it shattered? was just amazing and i mean it um it really made you gave you know revenge of the sith a whole new angle to it and uh i was exhausted after watching that it was i mean 
it was everything I wanted out of Return of Revenge of the Sith and didn't get. Because, uh, again, you really felt Anakin's affection towards Ahsoka and the connection between Ahsoka and Rex and, you know, um, and then that last five minutes or last minute or whatever was really, you know, something. It's really powerful. Oh, yeah. I, you mean of the, of the fourth episode there? Yes. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and even that that whole <laughs> they're attempting to get off the ship and they're trying really hard not to kill anybody because they don't feel like that it's their fault. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, this means they're probably not going to be able to escape, but they still try at just trying to, to disable and prevent people from hurting them, but also just get out of there. It's just crazy. And, and then finally, you know, obviously the, the ship crashes and they <laughs> pretty much everybody dies except for the two of them. And I'm, I'm assuming probably everyone does. I, that, that's at least sort of what's implied, I guess. Yes. Well, they did and, bury a lot of them, so. Yeah, right. And then seeing that, uh, the, the follow-up scene, and the thing that I actually had to go look this up right after I finished it, because I was, I, you know, Darth Vader shows up, it's winter, it's clearly been a, a, some period of time. But to me, the question was, was he literally looking for Ahsoka? And because he knew that she was there or was able to figure it out somehow and, and how much time had actually passed. And it's not really clear, but as I understand it, it is substantially later. Uh, everything I saw says about a year later. I honestly thought when I watched, was watching it, that it took place sometime, you know, during empire strikes back because mm-hmm. you had the snow troopers and the probe droids. And it was all very much Hoth like, um, and I don't know if that was intentional or if that was just something that was kind of misleading or if I looked into it more than I should have. Um, but there are some compelling evidence that it definitely would have happened before A New Hope. Um, mm-hmm. And probably significantly before that. Um, and a lot of that has to do with things that happened Rebels that you may or may not know yet. It's safe, it's safe to assume anything with Rebels. I probably don't, aside from the first four episodes and yeah. the uh, and the few shorts they did before that to kind of set up the characters. And this is almost the bad. This is almost a bad thing for you, um, because you're watching this in a different environment than I was, and you probably know a lot more about what's coming than I do. And I mentioned this to you a few times, so. Um, when I first watched season five of Clone Wars, we didn't know anything else was really coming. Um, but obviously we knew that Ahsoka was there and she wasn't in episode four. And we right. didn't have Rebels and we didn't have anything else. So my assumption, of course, was that she dies. Uh, and that's why you never see heard from her again or never saw her. You know, she wasn't in episode three. Figured she would have been somewhere in there. And so there was a point, and I think it was when they were um, with the younglings, uh, that Grievous came after her. And I really thought she was going to die. 
And I think if I went back and rewatch it now, that that episode wouldn't have the same impact on me now that it did when I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, same thing with her, you know, walking away from the Jedi. That's where Clone Wars kind of ended for me. And it was kind of at least, you know, it was kind of, you know, at the very least, you know, she stayed alive. So that was good. Um, but you didn't know everything else and what was going to happen to her and how much more of her story we still have to, to learn and to, she has to tell. Um, not that, you know, it's bad that you're going through and watching these now, but, you know, I do think you've lost out on some things because of that. Oh, definitely. Uh, and I, I've had... I know things about characters existing in Rebels, particularly a lot of characters existing in Rebels, <laughs> that tells me there's storylines and things going on relating to them. I don't know the hows, the whys, or the wherefores, thankfully, at this yeah. point. So I at least have that to, to you, you know, okay, yeah, Soka's coming back. Sure, I believe it, and I'm sure it'll happen, and I'll be stunned and happy when it does. But... I don't know what she's going to be there for and what she's going to do. So that's, that's my thing. Um, and I, I think this is one of those things. I know it's not been that long since uh, rebels was around, but it's been long enough that I would say the statute of Liber- limitations on, on spoilers on almost all of this stuff has kind of long since expired. It's, it's why I've never really, uh, made a big deal about, Oh, I'm going about to discuss this major plot point of, you know, episode seven or whatever. So spoilers or whatever. Cause I, if, you know, this is, we're discussing star Wars in some depth here and that's okay. Like that's to, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled on things, then maybe the thing to do would be to go, to go watch them <laughs> and then come back <laughs> afterwards. Um, that's been, and tell us what but, you think. <laughs> yeah. And tell it absolutely. Send me an email, Dan at uh, light, light in the dark.com and, and let me know what you think. Um, I'm always interested in hearing other people's perspectives on this stuff. It's, but in any case, uh, so, so that kind of wrapped up the clone wars for me. Um, and I really couldn't have expected it to, to be, any better than it was. I, I was just stunned and, and floored by it all. Uh, I, I will admit uh, they definitely did, did a number on me with the trailer for the, for the last season, because from it, I very strongly expected a lot more Anakin and a lot more Padme and a lot more about them. And it looks like they almost sort of took like their two scenes or whatever from the whole set of, of episodes and uh, spliced it in a way that made it look like there's a lot of different interactions between them going on. At least that's how I interpreted it at the time. So I was kind of shocked then when it, when it all happened that it was more, I was expecting it more to be like, here is things that are happening around them that includes them in these final hours and days before, uh, before he becomes Vader. And in reality, it was more like, here are things that are happening adjacent or ancillarily to people that were important to him, but not necessarily a whole lot of emphasis on actually Anakin and Padme and what's going on there. So, and I guess that makes sense. Cause they, you know, they made a whole movie about that. Um, you may have heard of it. Uh, called <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Um, so I, I, I get why they didn't need to do that and also didn't need to do uh, a lot of, they didn't do a lot of exposition or explaining what was going on. I, I do think it would be very interesting to take some of those things that interweave with uh, episode three though, and, and actually 
stick that in the middle of the scenes. So, you know, uh, the conversation that uh, Ahsoka has with uh, with Obi Wan, I, I think it's right before he goes and fights um, Grievous. Like yeah. all, all of that stuff, kind of has a sequence to it. I think it'd be really interesting to kind of put that together in in that sequence and see like this is when what happens then. And I kind of got a, a sense of what was going on, but but not in uh, I don't know, not not as I, it wasn't as clear to me exactly where we were in time, except at those times where they specifically went to the went out of their way to say this thing just happened or Ahsoka is now I'm feeling Anakin turn or whatever, you know. Well, Although I think they were trying to line things up too, because there was like the parts where um, they were rushing to get to the ground on Mandalore. Right. So it was kind of like race me to the end. And then they were saying that that was happening at the same time that Anakin was crashing the ship onto Coruscant. And then I think they said that the moment when Ahsoka and Maul were facing off and the window shattered and you just saw all the glass flying across was the same moment that um, the window broke during the fight between Palpatine and Windu. Mm. Which is also why I think they didn't have enough time really to get back. Because at that point, I think Anakin was already beyond the point of redemption. Or at least, you know, past the point of no return. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Though I do say, in hindsight, I wish they would have given us more of Anakin. I still have trouble reconciling the Anakin that gave Ahsoka the lightsabers and, you know, sent her on the way to Mandalore um, with the Anakin that went in and killed all the younglings. Um, Yeah, I think that's fair. Because, uh, I mean, there was just still so much compassion in him. And, I mean, I, I, I like that character a lot, and I still, still feel very bad for him. Um, but I kind of wish that we got more of, like, you know, when you said he was an abusive jerk or something, or listening to him criticize the Jedi more or something that mm-hmm. kind of made that transition feel a little bit more believable. I don't know. Yeah, I, I um, don't think I don't think it happens in in these set of episodes. Certainly, um, no. having said that, there are moments sprinkled throughout the whole series that show you Anakin is not all good. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but even then, I mean, we we never really got the young angsty Anakin from Clone Wars either. I don't think. Uh, Attack of the Clones. You know, I don't recall many moments where he went off and killed, you know, the women and the children or anything like that. Not, not too much, no. Um, and, and honestly, that version of, from Episode Two of Anakin is very different from Anakin in the Clone Wars because by the time the Clone Wars series starts, and I don't, I don't have the timeline in front of me to say exactly where things the distance in time between those two of things but i think by the time clone wars starts anakin is already a big war hero and i don't think you know it's not like two weeks after the battle of geonosis let's start the series i don't think that's what i think there's some substantial time there 
Yeah. So his well, character changes. He's obviously a Jedi at that point. Yeah. So um, it, it, mm, go ahead. No, that's fine. I was going to say, it just seems like, uh, I don't know. I don't, it, it, there's, there's that, there's that transition there and there's, a, there's some time there. That's another area they could actually choose to fill in if they wanted to. I'm not, I'm not sure. I suspect that's not where they're going to be focusing their time and effort at this point. I would suspect anything between uh, episodes one and six is pretty much dead now, as far as new content goes. Um, they definitely, uh, if, if you look at the listing of things that's out there, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that was put out in the last six years in that time frame. Yeah. And and like anything from episode, uh, episode seven onward, there's just not as nearly as much content. Have they discussed Anakin's trials? I don't think so. See, that would be, in- I would be interested in that. And know how he graduated from Padawan to full Jedi. And then to not Jedi Master, but you know, actually somebody who had an apprentice. Yeah, because again, you you leave him with you know his failure at the end of Attack of the Clones, and him marrying Padme, and the next thing you know, he's a full blown Jedi, especially if you don't take into account you know um, the other Clone Wars animated series which um, I, i'm told you don't i for a long time i thought you you could but actually it is not considered canon anymore either yeah um so yeah i mean i would like i wouldn't mind having some stuff to fill that time that time in yeah yeah and i would like to see what they decided his trials were before they you know bestowed him the title of jedi knight Mm-hmm. That could have been it. That could be. That could be very interesting. That could be very telling of what his future is. Yeah. Um, because obviously he still has a lot to learn as a Jedi, which is why Ben, or sorry, Obi Wan, and uh, you could tell him, you know, original Star Wars, it's still Ben to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know. He, it's why you get that's why you know they teamed him up with Ahsoka to begin with, so he you know couldn't learn what it was like to deal with a you know mindful, rebellious apprentice who doesn't listen to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that and that's they they don't technically doesn't it doesn't actually start there because uh, there's a couple episodes before it chronologically, but those episodes don't center around Anakin. So, so the Clone Wars movie where he does get Ahsoka as his Padawan is pretty much the beginning of Clone Wars, at least as far as Anakin is concerned. Right. Um, so the, so of course uh, that, that actually gets me through, through all of Clone Wars um, until they make more. And who knows if they will or not at this point, I guess at this point, if they do, it's going to be filling in gaps in before more likely yeah. than not. And I mean, unless they did something crazy like, hey, let's, uh, well, because I guess technically the Clone Wars were over. They they did, they didn't because the other side stopped fighting <laughs> because uh, they were well, both they on one side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the few that were, the few that were anything other than droids are now dead and uh, the droids are all disabled because Palpatine turned them off. <laughs> um, uh, but in, in any case, uh, so I, I have, in my meanderings through the timeline, 
have gotten all the way up to uh, the start of Rebels with a few small gaps, a um, couple novels and things that I'm still working on. But, uh, but, but really, that's like my next big chunk where I have a, a lot of stuff missing is, is uh, Rebels. And I'm only four episodes in, and I know you mentioned you'd watched it this week too. So we're at the same sp- spot somehow. Um, we didn't plan that, so that's, that's kind of funny. Um, I'm so far. I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Um, I, I think that it, at least if it can keep up the same level of quality that it's got at this point through the whole series or close to it, it's going to be. I think it's actually going to be better than Clone Wars for me personally. Um, I would say that it certainly does keep up that level. That's exciting. That's exciting. Um, uh, and there's just so many good things about it too. I mean, I even um, Jenny was actually watching that too, and we were, you know, laughing at the family aspect of it with, you know, Hera as the mom and Kanan as mm-hmm. the dad, and you know, Zeb and Ezra basically being brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, just a lot of things to, you know, find amusing in that situation. But it's it's very telling. Um, they there was a lot of work done to set up those characters elsewhere. So Canon has some comics relating to him that kind of get you going to you know you find out because he he literally is a Padawan. Yes. During the events of Episode Three, and his master's killed in the episode of uh, last what episode? One of the episodes of Clone Wars he's in. You see him in the background with his master as a child. Oh. One of the holographic scenes. Interesting. Yeah. I must have missed that. Um, so, so you know, he, he, he has his situation. Um, and then there is a whole uh, novel about him uh, that talks about what happens to him after, uh, after that and also introduces Hera and gets the two of them together to start forming what ends up being the, this crew. Um, yeah, I haven't read that one yet. It was actually funny because they came out with the four novels right after Disney bought them. I think one of them was, I think it was Tarkin. And then the other one was the one where Darth Vader and I think it was Lords of the Sith, where Darth Vader and the Emperor are stranded on a planet and so there was mm-hmm. those two, and then there was the Canaan uh, one. I thought there was another one that maybe I didn't read, but I know it's like I felt like I read all of the ones except that one. Mm. So they've got the Canaan one, and then there's actually a set of novels for kids that actually covers, um, or, well, introduces Ezra actually, but he's a baby, mm. and then his parents, who I, I, you know, I know from the actual story so far, know very little about them except they aren't around anymore. Um, but this, uh, but this set of, I think it's seven, actually seven, uh, young novels, like 120 page novels for, you know, tweens or whatever, uh, follow other people that were working for the empire and were betrayed and whatever. And the two kids are trying to find their parents and they're on the run and they actually run into Ezra's parents who, who assist them and everything. So like there's, there's all this stuff that, that goes to set that up as well. And the other thing that I've, that's a huge thread that runs through tons of stuff is Lothal as a planet in general. 
Like there is so much content that references and takes place on Lothal, which I don't, I don't see a reason for it yet. Other than I guess, you know, a lot of the stuff probably came out around the same time. I should probably go back and check that and see, <laughs> but, but I have a feeling it probably did. And maybe was to set up uh, rebels as a thing. I'm not sure, but in any case, just they keep going back to Lothal and the governor of Lothal and this, these persons at the Imperial Academy on Lothal and all these various, uh, references to that specific planet and it as far as i know it has no relevance or reference or existence as far as any of the movies goes no it was brand new so it's just it's very it's very interesting to me that they they really focused on this this one outer rim planet for some reason and i don't know it's it's all i do almost find that interesting because it's like they keep making new planets and i mean i guess it's to you know show that you know, it's a big galaxy or whatever, but it's like, I don't know why we needed Jakku when, you know, Tatooine was already a desert planet. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I can see, you know, well, why do they keep going back to the same planets or whatever? But why does um, everything keep happening to Tatooine? We don't know. Yeah. It's just a, it's a magnet for problems. <laughs> it's a will of the force. There we go. It's it's a it's a force nexus like you know so many other planets. Hmm. I did find that interesting too that Yoda went back to Dagobah. Yes. Or or Yoda went to Dagobah, you know, before he exiled himself there and had his own experience in the cave. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. That whole sequence, yeah, just totally blew me away. I was not expecting that, and then and there it was. Yeah, I think somewhere in the EU they explained why the cave was what it was and why Dagobah was special, but that's probably all gone now too, though. So, sure, sure. <laughs> I think a very powerful dark Jedi like Crashland died there or something. Mm. So was there anything with uh, those first four episodes of Rebels that you that you would like to bring up? You know what struck me, and I don't know, I, I'm not sure why it struck me, but I was very uh, struck by the misconduct of the droids. Or not the misconduct, but the mistreatment of the droids. And it might be because of what's going on now outside, or it might be because of my recent... Um, dealings with Picard. Uh, I don't know if you watched any of that. I have not. Um, But they talk a lot about the concept of synthetics and building a race of beings that are meant to be, you know, inferior or I don't know where I can't think of what the word I want there. Um, But basically are, you know, a notch below everybody else. And the whole thing about them talking about sending the droids to the back of the bus or the uh-huh. shuttlecraft or whatever and, you know, treating them like secondhand citizens uh, kind of bothered me almost a little bit. And well, then, you, uh, Go ahead. I don't know. It's just it's like, and I don't know if they ever really address that. It's kind of interesting, the whole concept of, you know, having the droids in Star Wars that are basically property. And yet sentient. 
and yet to, a, to various to various degrees right and they're just you know bought and sold and traded and you know restrained and you know having their memory wipes against their will and or maybe not against their will i don't know but that that i don't know that's one of the things that struck me other than just you know the family aspects i enjoyed that a great deal um watching ezra start to grasp out you know what he can do and you know learning about the force and things like that i like i thought that was very interesting um having him open up the holocron and seeing obi-wan there you know talking to you know telling people to trust the force um and then of course you know like i said before the you know whole aladdin vibe of the first episode was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah I, I i did catch what you were saying uh <laughs> when i when i did finally get to it i was like oh yeah this is this is very aladdin um the other interesting thing is um i've been off and on trying to learn arabesh the uh written language in star wars okay and so I've been practicing the last couple, a week or so. So I'm getting better at it. I can't read it like I can read English, but I can at least recognize letters and put things together if I have enough time to think about it. And uh, one of the things on the side was the giant billboard um, was, you know, with the TIE fire on it that said, you know, build TIE fighters. Um, like they're, you know, advertising for the Empire and how wonderful it would be to, you know, build TIE fighters for them on the planet. <laughs> which has a very large, you know, TIE fighter factory that you don't know about yet. Ah, okay. Um, so just the, you know, little things like that. I, I do love the little details they throw in the background. If you, you know, you, if you're paying attention to them. Yeah. I'm, I've heard actually the, uh, the theme park stuff at Disney also has a ton of that um, all over the place. Signs and things that you can read, but only if you can read that, uh, that type of script. Yeah. So, there's a couple tools online that help you learn it mm. and practice it. Duolingo for, for Arabesh? Almost, uh, but not quite. Though I think I need to like start actually typing it or writing it to actually get to the point where I can, you know, read it just by looking at it. But that's kind of an interesting journey in itself. I was doing the same thing with Zelda, actually. Um, but it kind of gives you insight into your brain about how you learn to read. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you can know all the letters, but you still can't sight read because that part of your brain isn't wired up to that yet. Is, and this is a literal um, one to, it's basically one character translates to one character in the English alphabet kind That's of a essentially there's a couple extra characters for like uh what are the diphthongs? Your th, your sh, your ch, mm. um, ag, I think. But it's very um, nearly a substitution cipher. Yes. Okay. And a lot of times it's just straight. You know, you could still, even though there is a letter for th, you could still see the written out in some places. So. Mm. But yeah, it's a it's it's a fun journey. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think I'm going to leave off there. Um, we've talked for a while, uh, quite a while. 
<laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to edit this. <laughs> it may get it may get split into two episodes. Um, All right. <laughs> and there is the end of my interview with Matthew Burns. Thanks again, Matt, for all of your time and uh, willingness to talk to Star Wars with me. Uh, hopefully, I look forward to possibly having you on again. Uh, I also have a couple other friends who have contacted me about the possibility of uh, being interviewed in a future episode, so I'm looking forward to talking to them about what Star Wars means to them and also their own particular uh, background and perspective on things based on where they are in their lives. So uh, looking forward to that. And with that, I think that leaves us with a pretty solid episode of uh, Light in the Dark. So thank you for listening today, and I hope you have a great week and look forward to next episode. Bye.